Yes. Hello, my name is Triumph, the insult comic dog. And I'm very proud to be Mark Marin's friend. <laughs> <laughs> very proud indeed. How have you been? You look good. I'm feeling neurotic. I've been feeling a little neurotic lately. Are we good? Uh, we're good. Are we're we good? good. We're That's good. Right. That's his catchphrase. I love the guy. <laughs> no. Wait a minute. You're not Mark Merrill. I'm Conan. My Co name's Conan. Conan yes. O'Donnell. Yes. 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 The guy I carried on my back for how many years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was no, at that... least 10. It was a decade. It was about 10. It was about 10. Yeah, yeah. I peaked around 2009. Uh, let me see here. Okay, Six. let me cha okay. change my note. Six? Oh, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Give me nine. At least give me nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 2009. If you average between six and the Wiener Circle sketch, it comes out <laughs> comes out in 2009. Very nice. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Starting over. My name is Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, and I'm proud to be Conan O'Brien's friend. And like most of his friends, I'm not real. <laughs> you say because everybody pretends. No, Conan, honestly, I've known this guy for years. I'm one of those people who gets to proudly say that I knew you at the very beginning, and here I am at what is clearly the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. No, you got the podcast. And now look at you. You're on satellite radio. <laughs> satellite radio, the wave of the past. <laughs> Sirius XM. <laughs> the abandoned mall of the entertainment industry. <laughs> no, it all makes total sense. Uh, it's like that old saying, why get your milk for free when you could rent the cow for $21.99 a month? <laughs> Serious subscription, yes. No, no, I kid, I kid. I kid, I kid. I, I really do You kid. kid. No, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. What a great title. I just have to ask, why start the show now instead of in middle school when it could have made a difference? <laughs> Imagine having friends back then. I know. Imagine what it would have been uh. like. No, I do love the new show. I love, uh, you know, the banter and uh, the way you've managed. I am so impressed. The way you've managed to abuse your staff in a very kind of uh, way that the audience thinks is ironic is just very impressive. <laughs> so impressive. No, listen, folks, he's a complicated man. Complicated man. The comedian with a dark side. You know, you're like Pagliacci, the clown. And that's just for how much makeup you have on. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, Conan's in the makeup chair longer than Jim Carrey as the Grinch. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. You I haven't kid. aged. You've grown. You've evolved. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, back when Conan started, guys, he would nervously talk over all his guests. But here it is 30 years later, and now he talks over them with total confidence. <laughs> no, I love this man. I love this man. Conan gave me a career. He gave me a career back then. He helped me grow up. He also helped me through some very hard times. Like when I walked in on him naked in his dressing room. <laughs> Red pubes. No. <laughs> like staring into the face of Raggedy Andy. <laughs> anyway, let, on a happier note, Sona. Oh, Everyone good. loves Sona, the pride of little Armenia. <laughs> you know, you know, I think I might be part Armenian. 
or Pomeranian. Either way, I have a hairy back. Hey, <laughs> kid! That's a stereotype. Terrible. That is an, an unfair stereotype. Not all Armenians have hairy backs. There's Armenian toddlers. Up to six months. No hair. Let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. Though. All of us, all of us owe Conan so much. Conan made me a star. Conan made Sona a star. And Conan made Matt somewhat recognizable in the Glendale Public Library. <laughs> Seriously, he can't walk into that library without at least one person wondering where they know him from. <laughs> All right. Honestly, honestly. No offense. Love everyone in this room. Even the gray-haired guy in the back. I, I, I'm so honored to be here and so honored to be on this incredible podcast. For me to poop on! Fall is here. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Sonam Obsessian joining me. How are you, Sonam? I am. I'm joining. That's very nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. You're not talking to a lawyer here. It's all okay. And, uh, and of course, Matt Gorley. How are you, Matt? I am Matt Gorley. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I have many questions. Um, I did want to bring up something right away. This is a little bit of business. I don't usually do that. Usually we just chit-chat, we say stuff, and we find our way. But I have an agenda today. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, as you guys know, I have a channel over on uh, Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. And um, what's fun is that SiriusXM said, do well by us, kid, and we'll move you up the dial. I was at 106. <laughs> yeah? And I was like, I'm at 106 now, but I want to move on up. Well, guess what? They've moved me up. Uh, if you're in your car, if you have access to SiriusXM anywhere, or if you're on the SiriusXM app and you say, man, I'm jonesing for some classic Conan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I often say that myself. That's how sick I am. Jones I'll be alone in cones. I'm, 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 I'm jonesing for myself. Oh. Um, you can check me out on 104. I moved up two notches. Oh, right. Yes. Wow. Congrats. Thanks. I'm, it's now, and we decided, let's just call it what it is. It was Team Coco. And I was like, let's call it Conan O'Brien Radio. Okay. Wow. That's what it is. So it's Conan O'Brien Radio, and it's on 104. Wow. And um, this is a way that you can listen to me. It's, it's I mean, it's all the stuff from... 30 years of television, but also uh, the podcast plays there too. Oh. And uh, yeah, and recipes. There's no recipes. Oh, okay. I shouldn't have said that. That was That's a lie, and I'll get in trouble for that. But a lot of fun stuff is going to be on there. But a new thing we're going to be doing also is uh, taking, I'm going to take some live calls. Oh, from anyone? From anybody in the live. world. Yeah. This is, so this is like without a net. Yes, without a net. Hmm. People yeah. can ask you anything? Anything they want. And here's the best part. I'm not wearing clothes oh. as I take the questions. <laughs> sorry, you said that's the best part. Yeah. That's confusing. Oh, I'm sorry. The worst and most inappropriate uh -huh. part yes. is that I'm not wearing clothes when, uh, I, when okay. I'm asked questions. And you can't tell it's, it's radio, but I just want that mental image in everyone's head. Okay. And I have not taken care of myself. And so <laughs> oh. that, that should be in there too. I mean, really, I didn't, wasn't starting off with anything great. But man, oh poor Eduardo! I'm a the mental engineer. Yeah, no, Eduardo was horrified. Eduardo got those um, 
Those X-Men shades. That's right. <laughs> like Cyclops? Yeah, he wore like a whole Cyclops <laughs> thing so he wouldn't have to see my naked body. I don't think you understand how those work, <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> He's the nerd. Yeah, I'm, I'm the nerd. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go home. I'm filled with shame, Liza. <laughs> what happened? I made the wrong reference to the X-Men. Apparently Cyclops' helmet does not work as shades. <laughs> anyway. It controls his laser eyes. That's right. Okay. That, not that a helmet. Without, that goes without saying. Right? Yeah. What well, is it? Are you an X-Men expert too? And in, in... It's not a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's his glasses, but he controls the oh, I'm thinking lasers of, that come out of his eyes. Oh, Magneto. Make... Oh. Thank you. Yeah. That's the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, don't just look at me that way. She knows. Are there whole, uh, like, they should do things occasionally where they can't find Magneto, and then they go in the kitchen and he's stuck to the refrigerator? <laughs> And his legs are kicking. That's not how it works. You don't know how his power works. <laughs> what do you mean? He works. would control the refrigerator. Yes, the refrigerator, the refrigerator doesn't him. control him. No, I love the idea that he's like just about to do something really cool and then he gets too close to the refrigerator and whatang! And then someone comes by and puts a to-do list on him. <laughs> Buy milk. Get more ham. He's like, God damn it! You have to know these things. What if someone calls your radio yeah, station right. and asks you about X-Men stuff? What if Ian well, McKellen... Well, I will just... Oh, well, first of all, yeah, that's true. Ian McKellen might call. Yeah. I could just say, I'm sorry, Sir McKellen. Uh -huh. I'm familiar with your other work, but not this stuff you phone in just for the big check. That I'm not too familiar with. But sir, at the Royal Shakespeare Theater, I'd watch you any day. Um. Anyway, that's my that's my. I think I forget where we were going with this. Your Colin show. Yeah, your Colin show. It's, a, show. it's yeah. a Colin show, and it's just going to be like this, except instead of you two showbiz phonies, <laughs> it's real people. Wait a real we humans. In. We should call in. Real, I want to call in. Real people with souls. You probably have forgotten what that looked like. Sony, you sold your soul to the devil long ago yeah. to get this sweet Conan gig. <laughs> <laughs> What's that say about you, though? Yeah. You sold your soul, too, a long time ago. I sure did. Yeah. To NBC. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of dollars in return. <laughs> 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 Have you recorded one of these yet? Yeah. Oh, cool. Was it yeah. fun? It was fun. It was really good. Okay. Mr. Groose, you were there? I was there, and, and you have the power to to take the channel live and, and do these shows when you want. Yeah, it's really fun. What? Oh. You're giving what him that power? Is that SiriusXM foolishly, mm -hmm. it's like they gave a kid with like serious ADD a go-kart that can go 900 miles an hour. Oh, man. And then uh, they gave him some cocaine. That's what the, that's what it feels like. Oh, God. Not that SXM would ever do anything like that. It's terrible. Yeah. But, uh, but that's how it feels, is I get to go live and just talk to people anytime I want. The first one's uh, available on demand. What's I'm the told. phone number? Um, why do you keep asking me things I don't know the answer to? Because I want to see you scramble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, what's the molecular uh, weight of strontium? Just curious. <laughs> do you have that with you? Why did you bring up Magneto and Cyclops when you don't know anything about the two I of them? I know kind of about some Not of the X-Men. Not enough to reference them correctly. Look, I don't know a lot about the X-Men. I know that there's a Wolverine. Yeah, what kind of bones he got? He's got bones made of something real hard. Yeah. And, uh... And then I know... And I know he can't go through TSA at the airport without causing a real fuss. Magneto is always getting stuck to a refrigerator, which emasculates him at the worst time. Cyclops keeps killing his optometrist accidentally. 
Now, what seems to be the ah? <laughs> if you wrote an X Men movie, it would be the most boring movie. No, it'd be really I'm, fun. I might be pretty funny. That. This is my X Men movie. Yeah, but anyway, this is the kind of foolishness that you can hear on Conan O'Brien Radio 104 on your SXM dial, and uh, check it out because it's a lot of fun to do. And uh, we should probably move on because we have a uh, singular show today. This 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 show is very important to me. It'll be you're going to love it, but uh, it has personal importance to me because my guest is uh, one of the great writers, one of the great comedy writers of all time. He's also a comedian. Uh, he wrote on Saturday Night Live while I was there. We wrote a lot of things together, um, but he was a force to be reckoned with, uh, and he was also the first head writer on Late Night with Conan O'Brien and really uh, helped uh, us get launched. And uh, his DNA is such a part of uh, what we managed to do, uh, unless you're not a fan, in which case you can <laughs> <laughs> you can blame him. Either way, uh, he's just been such an important part of my life. He's also the mastermind behind Triumph the Insult Comic Dog and his new movie, Leo, is now streaming on Netflix. So I'm more than thrilled he's here today. He's a friend, and uh, this conversation has special meaning for me. Robert Smigel, welcome. This is going to be a shock to people, but I don't think I've seen you whenever... We've all done these times that. we've done it? All the times we've done it, I look at the puppet, and what I see is the top of your curly hair. Yes. From the very beginning, I, right. would, I wouldn't see you. So to see you, it was even the same with the clutch cargos. Right. I wouldn't see you. I would see just the right. lips. But right now, watching you the do sausage. it was kind of like a revelation to me. And also- Seeing what? How much just, I enjoy it? Or? Well, how much you enjoy, well, I always knew how much you enjoyed it. Yeah. But, but from that the was, giggling, from the I incessant think, giggling, yes. Because uh, just- <laughs> That's crazy to me that I haven't seen you. That do is so it. weird. Yeah, that is because I'm always everybody now, else has. now. Triumph, please, you know. Yes. I, but to see you <laughs> right, do I'm it, I'm always behind you. Yeah, it kind yeah. of was like there's no Santa Claus now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, You've ruined it for the children. <laughs> we have to. Uh, uh, there's so much to talk about, but mm. we got to start with the dog. We just have to. It was the first thing that I loved about the dog, and it's still the thing I love the most about the dog are the eyes. The I know eyes, the eyes of the dog. They're just I mean, dead every, and crazy at yes, the same time. Everything, everything, you know, the writing has always been spectacular. Yes. A lot of writers help me always. The voice was uh, always uh, crazy choice. <laughs> um, we should tell people the origin story yeah. because it came yeah. out of this thing we were doing on the show, which was yes. a, uh, a talent show. Yes. The idea was maybe there'll be this, this talent show and we'll use whatever we have to do. Well, to it pretend. all came out of this insane like directive we created for the show. And I was a mantra that I drove the writers crazy with, which was just like, we're not going to do any found humor. Right. Like I was obsessed with, we're not going to copy Dave Letterman because yeah. we worship this guy. Even when we were at Saturday Night Live, we secretly knew that Dave's show was the coolest show on TV. Yeah. And as much as I loved Conan and believed in him, I didn't, I just thought nobody can do stuff that Dave's doing. Right. Including remotes, which shows what a shitty producer I was. <laughs> I was like, Conan can't do remotes because Dave doesn't. And I've seen Pat Sajak do it. And Pat Sajak's as good as Conan. And, and who he failed. <laughs> who can follow Sajak? Yeah. If Sajak can't do it, how can my best friend do it? Yeah. It's impossible. No, I was. I, you but know. you know, we had, because I remember 
even before the show started, we would talk a lot about, yeah, almost like we had these rules. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it was, mm-hmm. there was a, don't do anything that Dave had done, but also I don't, I didn't think that was as big a worry because we both loved cartoons too much. No, we were and naturally suited we, to what we wanted we, to we do. We naturally wanted to do very silly, yeah. strange uh, things that, that were, but, Yes. But even when we used to do actual items, and it was the first piece we ever did on the show, right. which was our <clears throat> was our shot across the bow. Yes. Because Jay would do the thing where he'd go, oh, and I see this here. This. It was just real right. ads from like Sears and Roebuck right. and this. And in and, fairness, that was small town news from Dave. Yeah. Jay borrowed. He borrowed he, it. I, I borrowed it. I just borrowed it. It's all fine. Dave can have it back. Dave can have it back. He just yeah. he can't do the Tonight Show. Yeah. You know? But he can have it back anytime he wants. <laughs> he can have it anytime he wants. <laughs> I love like doing Jay. Dave invented headlines all of a sudden. Dave yeah, okay. invented it. So, sorry, uh, sorry. He did. No, 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 no. You do it. I, you do it because I'm, you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> so that was the first um, first bit we did. And yeah, Lauren, Lauren really wanted that on the first show. Yeah. Lauren Michaels. Uh, yes. Yeah. Lauren Michaels from television. And uh <laughs> and now from everything. Um every I'm everywhere. I make clothes. Now. I'm under I'm right here. Hi everybody. I'm right here. Do you have my leisure suit? Conan, um, do you really want to go with those sneakers? He's on the <laughs> Uh, I want to take people back in time to when I first met you would be 1988, the very beginning of 1988. Yeah. My writing partner, Greg Daniels, and I get hired to come in to work at SNL. We're petrified. And I remembered finding there was just this natural thing where I gravitated towards you and Bob Odenkirk. Uh, who's now the Jacques-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, I always knew. I, yeah, we, we always knew. knew. We that always knew. That guy. <laughs> that guy's going to. That guy's going to have a John Wick franchise. He's going to have a <laughs> stuntman. And uh, yeah. And then we started uh, naturally just all goofing around together. And then uh, I think the thing that was really life-changing for me is that you, a few years before, had done a show in Chicago, a stage show. Mm-hmm. And the writer strike hit, and you and Odenkirk were talking. Yes, and you said, "Hey, um, we might go to Chicago and do a stage show mm-hmm. with sketches that are too weird to get on SNL." Right. And then you guys asked me, "Would I come along?" I was thrilled. I had a 1973 uh, Plymouth <laughs> Valiant that I I flew to uh, L.A which is where my car was. And I drove my car to Chicago by myself. Uh, and the car kept overheating, like it's that old movie, uh, Duel. Oh, yeah. It would oh, overheat right. on hills Spielberg and I would have movie, to pull yeah. it over. And by the way, I think he was driving also a, a similar car. Was he? Um, I would pull it over and the steam would, and then it would calm down and I had things of water and I would pour them in. And I made my way to Chicago and that was where, yeah. That changed that changed things for me because I thought I love this. I love working with these guys. Right. I love that we're doing a stage show in Chicago. I loved that summer. The whole thing was magical. Yeah, no, I I still feel like my years in Chicago before I even got Saturday Night Live or like professionally in some way the happiest years of my whole life. Just right. being in total control of your own show and and just I love the city of Chicago too, obviously, but. Um, but yeah, no, we loved you so much uh, when we met you. You're such a funny guy. And uh, I, Bob and I, like, I thought I was going to get fired from Saturday Night Live in the summer of 86. Mm-hmm. I, I did one season at SNL and I just barely hung on. Franken called me over the summer. Al Franken. Yeah. Yeah. It's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 
you know, it's just a lot of people are, you know, it was a hard year. And, uh, you know, who really was funny? Swartzwell. <laughs> Remember what he wrote. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's just, yeah. So, but then Lauren called me in at the last minute. But, but Odenkirk and I were developing a sketch show that summer. We were going to call it Sketchcom 90 or something. And, uh, and that's like where I first had the idea for the year 2000 sketch, mm -hmm. which we ended up doing on Happy Happy Good Show. We did it in Chicago in 1988. Yeah. And we would all like stand there later. and in the year 2000. Yes. And then we would make these insane predictions about what was then the future. Yes. yes. It was all based on this Jetsons concept in the 60s that 60s kids grew up with, which was the idea that like the space age is coming. Like by the year 2000, it had so much mystique to right. it. And then as we got closer to the year 2000, it was quite clear that it was going to be <laughs> Well, then the awkward thing was doing it still. I mean, late night, we never, <laughs> late night, despite everyone's predictions. Yes. Kept going and going and going and lasted and actually started, you know, worked. And then <laughs> we're doing it. And then it is the year 2000. And the year 2004. And then, it's, and then we, and we kept thinking, do we need to change like in the distant future? And I, and I said, no. No. It's, it's just got to still be in the year 2000. It's so funny. That and then it it's like changed. in 2006, I'm like, it's time to look into the future <laughs> all the way to the year 2000. Uh, but it's a good problem to have. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, so, so we did that yes. show together. Together, the one thing I remembered is feeling very much like you could finish my sentence and I could finish your yeah, sentence. Yeah, um, I, I only connected with a few writers in my years there, like really connected in different ways. Dana was one of them, Dana Carvey, mm -hmm. and not as a performer almost because I love doing silly voices and yes. impressions. And so we wrote a lot of like musical impression kind of sketches like McLaughlin and uh, Regis and things like that and Johnny Carson. And then Conan, I connected in a completely different way. Just, we had this, we just saw people from a distance and we were able to kind of like reduce everybody to a cartoon. Yes. Yeah. I was, because <laughs> over the years, people have said your biggest comedic influences. And it's so cool to say, well, I would watch, uh, you know, old clips of Ernie Kovacs and that really, oh, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. no, it's not true. Nothing inspired me more than Warner Brothers cartoons. Oh, God. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so best. that the idea of anything can be alive, which then, yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Rubens used so brilliantly in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yeah. The idea that everything chair is cherry. Yes. Um, but, but. Anthropomorph. Uh, this is a thing I've done a thousand times in comedy and I can never pronounce it. Anthropomorphize. <laughs> anthropomorphize. And, um. Yes. The uh, even the word anthropomorphize can be a character. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm anthropomorphize. <laughs> What's up, anthropomorphize? Uh, but 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 you. Why are you so damn hard to pronounce? <laughs> That's just me, I guess. What up, 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 Um. But we uh. So flash forward, I go and do The Simpsons, and then and it's too hard to explain. But all these crazy. <laughs> things happen. It's really the equivalent of me being in a cornfield and getting hit by a meteor, but all these yes. things happen where suddenly they say, hey, you're you're gonna replace David Letterman, the guy you idolize, who I said many times cannot be replaced. I said, "There's it's impossible to replace him, so I pity the guy who replaces him. I'm on I record know. saying that. And I was salivating to replace him. Yeah. I, we had totally <laughs> different dreams because he was hired yeah. to produce this show. Yeah. But his dream was not that. Yeah. Like you say, you did Happy, Happy, Good Show, and you mm -hmm. were always the funniest guy in the room at mm -hmm. SNL. 
And I was more like, you know, broody Tom Jonovich, you know, just brooding, brooding writer. Right. My hero was like Sylvester Pat Weaver, the guy who created the Today Show and the Tonight Show. I love the I think idea. that's the saddest thing I've ever heard anybody say. I was a pathetic nerd. Blair did you have understand. A big, did you have a big understands. poster of, of Pat Weaver? I, I do. I do understand. He understands. I know I would go to the Museum of Broadcasting or whatever, radio and television, right. and revel in these old, like, Dave Garraway talking to a yes. chimp on the Today Show in the 50s. And but what was interesting is, so they came, they said to me, okay, you're going to do this. And I said it then, I say it now. I said, I can do this if I do it with Robert. Yeah, yeah. I said, I can do this if I do it with Robert Smigel, but I can't do it if it's not with Robert Smigel. <laughs> And um, I don't think the, I ever heard that. I know you said you told me you wanted me to do it. I know I didn't tell you yeah, I yeah. wanted you to do it. I said you have to do it. And then I remembered there was stuff about well, Robert's contract. We're not sure. And I was oh, Lauren just didn't want me to leave. No, I know, but I was yelling at NBC. <laughs> give him every, you know, like give him take stuff from me and give it to like we have to do this together because I knew then I had a shot. And That's uh, nice. and um, and it's true. Don't uh, get self conscious because I'm complimenting you. <laughs> Take the paper away. That's my job. <laughs> we had very little time to put the show together. I mean, it stuns me now that I think by the time by the time I was done doing the affiliates dance and everything, I think it was June, and the show had to be. <laughs> on the air in September, September 13th of 1993, it's June. Yeah. And there's just a big empty space where Dave's studio was. And we had no writers, we had nothing. Right. But I knew Robert and I will just start, we'll go. And yeah. we worked our, at, we didn't sleep. We worked like crazy all summer long. It was the best. It and was, uh, so is my dream job. And I was working with you. It was just like the best guy I could work with. And I have to confess, when he first told me and you know this, you remember the conversation, I'm sure. When you first told me Lauren wants me to audition, mm -hmm. there was a part of me that was like scared. Yeah. Like, hey, I guess like, what? Me too. <laughs> but I, but I'll never, I'll remember this very clearly. You were like, gee, I don't know, because if it's if hard, you, that's a hard way to break into show business. Yeah, that's you, what I said if to you. you. If you, it's going to be hard for anybody. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. only person it wouldn't have been hard for is, I think, Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling was a name they were banking oh, yeah. on, and if and he, he had just, done it, it would have been absolutely brilliant from day course, one. And because he's Gary Shandling, but yeah. everyone else would have taken some knocks for not being Dave. Right. right. But I was going to take a lot of knocks because complete unknown and no experience. And um, I remember so clearly, I remember where I was. I was living in this little apartment on Weatherly. Mm -hmm. And I had this, in this tiny little nook, I had a phone and a phone machine back when you had a phone machine. And I'm talking to you and you're sort of saying, I'm saying, yeah, they, they're thinking maybe I should audition because they, they're looking for the right person. And Lauren said, you know, he's got a look and maybe yeah, and Conan's a funny. Look. he's a look and he's very polite and he's got the hair yeah, and yeah. the funny first name. And it maybe that's a thing. And so, um, and he'll be cheap and he'll, oh, trust me. <laughs> You'll get him for nothing. <laughs> and so they... Uh, um, My salary, non-negotiable. <laughs> just because I'm saying you're going to save money on him. <laughs> not me. <laughs> so I remember talking to you and you were rightly... I was shumbly. You were, you were shumbly. You were saying, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. And then in the background, I heard like a Charlie Brown uh, parent voice go, 
And I said, what was that? And you said, oh, that was Michelle. Yeah. Because, you know, your wife and I, and I, and not wife at the time, girlfriend at the time, I think. Yes, and you yes. said, and you said, um, and she said, <laughs> and I said, what's she saying? And she's saying, uh, and, and you said, Michelle said, he's got nothing to lose. Right. And then you said, huh, I think that's kind of true. Like, why not? What? And yeah, then of course I thought, point. yeah, I guess I could be a national joke. <laughs> But that was the fear the first year. The fear was the first year was who's the famous national joke. I have to say also that like, so then I did hesitate a tiny bit. It was like a few hours. I was like, wow, man, I don't know, man, if he can do it. I just, he's never been on TV. Mm -hmm. And, and then I just thought to myself, so like, you know, we both love performing and I got to do a few things on weekend update. I did. Mm -hmm. And Conan was already with the Simpsons. And I just remembered like this guy, helped me for hours with my stupid weekend update feature, the moron's perspective. And I'm like, I'm, I'm hesitating. I, it's the fucking asshole. And I called you back and I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is my buddy. I, but then I, 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 I had, uh, I never once celebrated. Like I end up, I audition, they think about yes. it and then they give it to me and, and never, I was always scared and always filled with the sense of responsibility. And here it is now over 30 years later. Yeah. And I have never once, I don't think I celebrate anything. I mean, I, I don't, but I just was always like, well, right. we'll see, we'll yeah, see. Exactly. And still now I'm 60 and I'm going, we'll see, oh, <laughs> we'll see. If oh. We'll see how it happens. But, uh, but I, I think it was appropriate not to celebrate getting that show because it was, it was not like getting cast in an amazing role. It felt to me in a very Catholic way, like this is a test and you're gonna have to walk through hell. And then that's what happened. <laughs> that is what happened. But, but I remember, so then he had that audition, which yeah. was incredible. I mean, I guess it was, and then I asked him about it and he said, well, I, I had nothing to lose. And, and he was like in front of, I don't know how many people were in that room. I, I don't know. Like, so it was a, a tiny. No, like, it was a it was a good size. Like I don't know, hundred people. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he interviewed Jason Alexander and Mimi Rogers, and his mm -hmm. Mimi Rogers interview was just like professional, hysterical. And then I just turned on a dime. I was like, this guy's going to be enormous. <laughs> and the, and then he was so funny and hilarious. When we assembled writers, we all got incredibly overconfident. Yes. <laughs> We're like, everybody's going to have a pompadour within six months. This, I really believe this. I yeah. was like, everybody's going to want to have long skinny pants. And I, I was positive. And so but everyone's going to be want to have kind of like ambivalent, ambiguous gender. Uh, <laughs> I, it was a good He's kind thing, of a though. guy, but also a little bit of a girl. No, but for his, he stayed nervous, but the rest of us were so confident. And it was great because it made us try everything. We were fearless. We tried every idea. And obviously yeah. some went to shit, but it's still the proudest achievement of my whole career easily is how much stuff we did generate. If you look at the first two years, that's the thing that I'm stunned. Well, even if you worked at the first three weeks, there's so much material that you did forever for, we, yeah. for, on the, the so late much, night show. We did the clutch cargo in the year 2000, the actual items. There's so many things yeah. that, but then we kept, we, on we, that, we yeah. never stopped trying to uh, try new things. Yes. And, and um, yeah. I remember people used to, uh, who were in the business would say, I mean, uh, I remember even David Letterman saying, that's insane. Because we would, we were basically yes. trying to do Saturday Night Live every night. Yes, which is- Which is impossible. And then finally you could smell the smoke of like the gears grinding. Yes. People but going insane, no one's sleeping. It's and funny because like so many, I think I've told you this story. So like in 19, and it was a lot of it stemmed from 
people on the staff who just didn't believe in us. Some people, a lot, some people really believed, mm -hmm. you know, like Frank's back there and Paula and, and, um, but then, uh, you know, like, so in 1999 or 90 or 2009, I visited the Fallon set mm -hmm. and yeah. Cause back then when we did it, people were like, well, Jeffrey night live we're doing over here. Mm -hmm. and I visited the Fallon set and everybody was like all perky and happy. And they were doing really ambitious shit when he first started in late night. They were doing all these detailed film pieces and literally crew member said to me, it's like every night live. <laughs> they were super excited about because Jimmy had been on television yeah, for yeah. like 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You said that there's one thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, last year we lost, uh, one of the most important people that ever worked on the show, Bill Tull. Yes. Bill Tull was, was a, a prop legendary master. prop master who yeah. looked to see if you want a visual Bill Tull <clears throat> started with us and was with us for years and years and years yeah. and years. And Bill Tull, looked like a Nordic God. I mean, yeah. very tall, <laughs> incredible build, incredibly handsome face. Yeah. Um, and then we started using him in sketches. So you might, be, you could look him yeah, up later on. Yeah. He later did very on, funny but sketches. long, like uh, long white hair. Yeah. And he looked like he could, you could put him in a Thor costume and he could say, you trespass here. I mean, he, yeah, he yeah, had that yeah. amazing he look. He had a deep voice too. Yeah. But, but he, he would do anything. He would do anything. And at that point in the show, like, you know, sometimes it felt like we were almost at war because there were people on the staff who just were like, why are we doing this fucking key screen behind the band or whatever weird thing? We were we trying all this weird do. stuff. Trying yeah. all this stuff. And then there were people like Frank, like who would do anything and and think of idea. I got something for Alex Rocco. You're going to love it, whatever. And <laughs> yeah, Bill yeah. Tull, <laughs> I remember, I'll just tell one quick Bill story. Like, so we when the, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup in 1994. And so I had this idea to have like a dancing or running around Stanley Cup, like a live Stanley, because anthropomorphized. Yeah, the Stanley Cup has come to life and is dancing around in yeah, our studio. And, and of course, because I was, uh, you know, a big baby, I, I wanted the, a giant Stanley Cup, but to have like tidy whities visible at the bottom. So the legs are really cute, but he's wearing tidy whities and it's kind of disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> So, it, but I had this idea literally at like two in the morning and like Brian Leach from the Rangers was going to be on the show the next day. And so I call, you know, and the writers were all there laughing about this. And I call like the wardrobe department and like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not going to happen. You can't do that. Yeah. And then I call Bill Tull. He's like, okay, yeah. Okay. So we'll, uh, yeah. You want me to build like a, a whole thing? Okay. So it's like eight levels. How many levels are there? And it's like three in the morning. And so he gets right to work. And then the only thing that he can't figure out is th the Stanley Cup has like this bowl, this big silver bowl on top. So Bill Tull calls the rainbow room, finds out that they have a silver bowl. He goes up there. <laughs> Which is, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, one of the most swanky. Swanky, yes. Like incredible elite yes. places. People, rich people have their weddings in the rainbow room. Yeah. So he goes to the rainbow room. He goes room. to the rainbow room. Hey, you guys got a, I, I, you guys got a silver bowl. I need it for a guy wearing underwear. Uh, yeah, a Stanley Cup thing. And, uh, and so the guy, he gets the manager of the place and like, well, we kind of need that bowl. Listen, what, what what can I do? How can I get the silver bowl? And, believe, and literally the guy says, well, I, there's a kind of hot security guard downstairs. And uh, can you, if you can get me her number, set me up uh, so I can call her, I'll give you the bowl. Oh. So he goes down to the ground floor. Of course he does. Talks to the security guard lady, oh says there's a guy in the rainbow room and, uh, and he gets the number. 
And he goes back upstairs <laughs> and comes back with the bowl. And this is like on no sleep. No sleep. Unbelievable. And this is and, and the whole point is that like that was the spirit the of the guy, show. That, that was w- the spirit of the show. And like uh Chilemi's here, another long time. Well, he's I, I call Chills the warrior. Uh yeah. because he's still I shoot things now. I'm in different countries for this thing I'm doing for HBO Max. And yeah, he's who's another there? one. Chills. He was there. Yeah. Uh, he you gets know, it. But one of the things was really this. I'll say this, and then because yeah. we have so much to talk about. But we were uh, no. But we were uh, always no. Don't be yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. We were always. This is just going to have to be a seven-hour episode. But um, <laughs> this is what I remember about Bill Tull was we yeah. needed some kind of crazy-looking thing that basically was going to look like an animal skeleton, but it had a clock oh for God. a head or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so at rehearsal, they reveal this thing, and it looks kind of perfect. And I'm like, wow, how did you fake this uh, animal skeleton? <laughs> and Bill's like. Oh yeah, well, I you know, went upstate New York. I knew a guy who uh, he has a farm, and he told me where all the animals are buried. <laughs> so he went out at night with a shovel what? and yes, dug you. around until yes. he found yes. a dead sheep, and he dug up all the bones and reassembled it yeah. for the prop. Just beyond belief. I mean, literally, uh, he's a ghoul in the night. Yes. <laughs> you know, the giant moon behind him and a silhouette of him digging and then assembling bones. And then he just talks about this matter-of-factly on, uh, it's the best episode of Inside Conan. You should yeah. listen to it. Bill and his partner, John Rao. And, I, you know, the whole point is that, like, it was such a struggle that first year. It was the best job, most exciting job I ever had. But it was such a struggle. The network doubting us and... We had them, you know what I remembered very yeah. clearly? Yeah. If there are five things you need to have a successful television show, yeah. meaning the network's behind you, the critics like you, yeah. the numbers are strong, and then like a couple of things. We had none of those things. <laughs> we had absolutely, I remembered sitting around going, let's see, what are the things you need? And then making a list of the five and going, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. All we had was a great show. We did yeah. have a, gra- and a great, and a great nice. You know what was really nice? You know what was really nice was that we made it to that first summer and suddenly colleges got out. Yeah. And all of a sudden we had these audiences that were fine. And if we did something really funny, they would laugh, but it was always touch and go. And yeah. then suddenly um, I walked out, would have been June of 1994 after this slog, mm-hmm. this crazy <laughs> slog, which started the summer before. Yeah. And went all the way into the following summer. So it was a solid year of no sleeping, always worrying, um, people on the street telling me to drop dead. You know. <laughs> oh my god! And, and um, those were network executives. Yeah. By the way. yeah. <laughs> it's just I yeah, thought it was yeah. bad form, but yeah. Yeah, like, they, they were worried I didn't get the message. Um, It'll make him stronger. It's okay. Um, he's over there. He's in Central Park South. Get him. Thanks, Lauren. No problem. It'll toughen him up. Now about my money. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, my getaway car needs a better driver. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that walking out one day to do the warm up because I would do the warm up before the show, and uh, I came out to do the warm up, and the, the minute the crowd saw me, they were yes, yeah, whoa, and I I was looking behind me like uh, is Jerry Seinfeld standing behind me? Oh, what, no. what what's happening? This was it was really you know spectacular. What else is interesting. Uh, all these people who were criticizing you, mm-hmm. I realize now. They were not the audience. But they were 11. Well, we did have Dave, who came on the show. Yeah, Dave Latterman, came on the show. That was the that biggest was thing that ever happened. Yeah, that was February of 94. That was huge. Yes, and he had the he said it backstage, and then he said it to your face, which is what really mattered on television, how great the show was. And, yeah. And that changed a lot of 
took a lot of pressure off the network. But the last thing I want to say about Bill, just in general. Bill Tull. Bill Tull. Yeah. Just that, like, for people who work on a show like this or mm -hmm. any movie set, you could have the opinion that, you know, ah, my job's not that important. There's a finite amount of effect that I can have on a show. But, like, it's not true. If, yeah. if people are supportive of the creative people at the top and they give off that vibe that they believe in you yes. and that they'll do anything for you like bill and other people from that staff it makes an enormous difference yeah and i'd say you know um and not to embarrass him because i know he's right outside this door because he still works with us but you know jason chalemi who you mentioned yeah. is the same kind Absolutely. of person who started with us as an intern but right. i swear to god if he if jason thought it was if he sensed that it was important for us doing something comedically, whether it's now for the podcast or for yeah. a travel show I'm doing for HBO Max, whatever, and it involved him getting shot at. It's just Max now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with is the it? program. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> I like to throw the HBO in to let people know. <laughs> that it's a good, I'm, that it's I'm actually kind of, quality. It's a, it's a, <laughs> that it's not pornography. When you, yeah. When you just say Max, people think, oh, well, it's can, people fucking, so I can I whack off to this? <laughs> yeah. I've never been able to whack off to Conan. This is exciting. Uh, He's really evolved, <laughs> like they say. His porn is so creative. So all the all, all the furniture in the room is talking too. <laughs> the guy and the girl are going at it, and then the couch is like, "Yeah, what a schlong!" Um, quiet, couchy. I'm losing my concentration. But <laughs> I like that porn with anthropomorphic. Wow, he's the, really giving it to her. Shut up, alarm clock. The pizza's watching. <laughs> the pizza's rubbing its pepperoni nipples. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> um, New meaning to the word food porn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, if, if Jason thought it was important, yeah. and he, you know, I was just with him, we were shooting in South America, and he's like, I think if he thought this was important to me or somehow important to the comedy, but it involved him running across yeah. a firing line where actual ammunition is being shot, he would do it. Yeah. Which is my point is that he's stupid. No, my point is that it's- He makes you, like this. the last day I was on the show, I mm -hmm. had to give a speech, which mm -hmm. was painful as can be. So I loved the show so much. And I remember saying, I thanked everybody. And I said, there are people in this room who have said Conan and I have inspired them to do yeah. great work. And I just wanted to tell everybody you- you inspired us, yeah. and that's really true. A right. guy like Jason, so, a guy so like so many Bill, people who they have I, your back, and it makes all the difference in the world. And I, I do think, in light of it's, it's a great message too that people, you know, in the light of all these strikes and everything, and people say, well, it just comes down to commerce and money, yeah. and yes, are, is money part of it? Of course it is, but yeah, when you see the level of when, when, when people get excited creatively, and then other people around them, whether it's people working cameras, pulling yeah. cables, but they're excited too. And they're kind of going the extra mile to make it, it happen. such a difference. And then it becomes kind of like a religious experience in a weird way. Yes. It becomes spiritual and yeah. you're making something yeah. and then you get the money. <laughs> and you don't share it with anybody. Maybe. <laughs> um, He's a... Uh, and Jason, oh, you know, now you're making me think about Jason's predecessor, Mr. Jordan Schlansky, yep. <laughs> who yep. I always credit, there would, Triumph Remotes wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Jordan. Because the first time we did one, we were well, never going to Well, let me, let me back it. it up just a okay, little okay. before, which is you Triumph comes out of this 
you know, sketch yes. you're doing on the show. Right. And you come, yeah. you come in with this uh, dog whose talent is he's an insult comic. Yes. And then I think what we have to do, which I have to give you credit for, <laughs> two things. The choice of the puppet is exceptional. <laughs> and 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 I like I say the fact that the puppet has kind of a realistic face, it's but the so, eyes are so the eyes funny. are dead. Yes, and so he says these jokes and stares. And I think, not unlike why I often found Norm Macdonald so funny, is Norm could make his eyes go dead. Yes. and and just kind of stare at you yes. after he said a joke. <laughs> and I do think that Triumph has that. I look into those puppet eyes, and I can yes. watch it forever. I that, know. But the other thing, yeah, is the voice. Because anybody else doing it who had that idea of, oh, yeah, it's a dog who's an insult comic, would have done Borschbelt. Hey, you over there. What are you, sock? You know, Armenia. Hey, what well, Armenia? Is that even a country? Sounds like a kind of diarrhea, you know? <laughs> what? No, that's a good one. Right, that's good. Oh, no, don't write it down. Yeah, it's really good. Armenia, diarrhea. Yeah. Um, Side of. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, right. what I'm saying is that's what anybody else would have done. Robert is the only person I know who would have done, I think it's an old Russian Jewish woman. Am I correct? <laughs> I had grandparents that were first generation immigrants, yeah. you know, who le who escaped Russia during, and they actually emigrated to China first. Uh, They'd be so proud of what you've done. They, oh, they were... <laughs> We must escape persecution, so that so Robert can turn us into a, so may be able to watch to witness a realistic-looking puppet have sex with a live animal on yes. television. And she's yes. like, "Oh yes, oh yes, what is this television? Well, it's going to be a thing in the starting with uh, Milton Berle. They're, try they're trying to kill us, but if we can escape, <laughs> then one, maybe one of our." Grandchildren. Our grandchildren will contribute. Will turn us into a horny puppet. The world. Yeah. Oh. I have to credit. I have to credit my wife. So, because she's the one who. So I found triumph on this rack of whimsical puppets that were when we were shooting when we were newlyweds and we were uh, hunting for furniture at a country store and we saw this and the puppet was so funny to me these dog puppets and there was a sheep and a cat so I immediately put on one of the dog puppets sniffed her ass with it in the in the room in the in the furniture store and of course she found it funny because she's the perfect woman for me and then she surprised me like in February like two months later after we were married with like seven of these puppets. And that's what gave me the idea for this Westminster thing. And like Dave was having Westminster dogs run up and down the aisles of the Ed Sullivan Theater. Very Dave, very found humor. Yeah. And I was like, so- what, Our version what our, of that. Our version is make it up. Yep. Yeah, so that's- um, Well, so yeah, I yeah. remember that, 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 and then I remember it, early on before there were remotes, we'd have guests on and Triumph would roast them. Yes, we would it was always, like catharsis for the audience. Yeah, and, 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 so Triumph would be over behind this little stand yeah. and then and and I would have interviewed the guest already and then they go after the guest yeah. and I'll never forget guests would say yes to it not knowing what exactly. it was. <laughs> Simon Cowell is on it's the height of uh, the first couple of years of American maybe the Idol. first year maybe. of American he Idol. He was like the biggest thing. Yeah. He was huge. He was huge. And he comes on the show and we said do you mind and he went oh no you know please whatever whatever <laughs> it is you chaps do go ahead I'll just be here with my too tight t-shirt and, um, <laughs> and so you're ripping into him and he's watching and then when it's over i say we'll take a break we'll be right back and he turns to me and he's covered in sweat he was covered in sweat and he said that was rough 
<laughs> and I, like a guy who had just been beaten with a so stick. So funny. And then later I saw him afterward and I was like, was that okay? And he, he had come to understand by then. He was like, no, this is, uh, this would be good for me. Uh, <laughs> In some way would be able to show that I can laugh at myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my and God. blood came out of his, a tear yeah. with blood in it. Yeah. But then you go to do a remote yes. Westminster dog show. And of course, Ch I think Chalemi goes with you. No, it was, you know, that, the first one was, was Jordan. Was Jordan. And we couldn't get in first because apparently Andy had done something at Westminster that they didn't like. So they weren't going to let us in. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll never do it. And if I'd never done it, maybe I would have never done a remote because that was the obvious one to do. It was Sweeney yeah. suggested, why right. don't you go to Mike Westminster said, and you... hit on these dogs? Yeah. And uh, hump, real, hump been, real dogs. Yeah, because yeah. I'd been, well, I'd been sort of doing it on the show. Yeah. But here's all these dogs and I loved it. But so then Jordan like creates this scam. Like we gave us, he printed out all these fake NBC he passes. He broke the law. He broke the law <sighs> and he figured out a side entrance. And he said, it's not technically, it's not technically deception because we actually are NBC employees. You know, it was very Jordan <laughs> rationalization. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we got in. And it's all because of him that these remotes exist. We tip, we tip our cap now to a man I uh, professionally loathe. Uh, yes. I've, I've, <laughs> I've made a career, uh, a, a fifth career out of uh, being irritated by Jordan Schlansky. Yes. But, um, but no, in, in real life, he saved the day. And then, you know, remotes come fast and furious. And then the iconic crazy Star Wars remote yes. where there's not, it was all still again before the internet, like things couldn't yeah. go viral. But I remember the night we played that, the audience screaming and going wild yes. and thinking, there's only some way this can be replayed for everybody throughout all time. And but, fortunately now there is. No, you know? but actually it was the first thing on the show that did, because before YouTube, there was something called iFilm. Blayert will know this because he's a pathetic nerd, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, the, that is why everybody even knew it back then. It was the first thing on the show that that was like put on iFilm or whatever it was called. And um, it was the happiest experience I ever had doing Triumph because everybody was like, I don't really like making people unhappy. Feel bad. No. I know it's good television sometimes, especially if it's like a person nobody likes, but it's so much more fun. These guys were fans of you yeah, and they knew oh, who Triumph was. I think what and makes they, it... it was like, they wanted to meet Triumph. And it was like when I met Don Rickle. What makes you know? it so nice is that, cause I'm the same way. If I think I've hurt someone's feelings, yeah. I don't sleep for like two days. If I think yeah. they really got, you right. know, right. and so, um, I'm just saying that to appear nice, but yeah. uh, you, you must I, never sleep. I sleep like a baby. No, you know how he solved that? It was like an aversion therapy. He decided to be mean to everybody. Yeah. And that way yeah. he, he got numb to it. Yeah, yeah. My, little, okay. my son, I'm just, you know, everybody. And so, um, but I think the magic of that was all the people in line who you're making fun of for being never seeing a woman or you know yeah, being, what, which button do you push to have your mother come uh, get, pick uh, you up whatever Andrew all of those gave me that they're line. all all loving it and yes, and and uh, that's yeah. the key is and they're just delighted and now yeah. they're part of history they're the, like the funniest straight men that you could ask for yes. and the fact that they're enjoying it just made it like just a mutual. <laughs> Pooper and poopy united as one. <laughs> there are, there are. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful it's thing a when pooper and poopy there are come so together. Many, you know, beautiful. I mean, this is the thing where it gets tricky because I could reminisce with you yeah, about yeah. all of this for maybe fifteen hours, and we would only scratch the surface. <laughs> but 
something I just want to make sure that I I I I get in here that I state that you've gone on. You know, we worked together all those years, and then we've continued to work together. We keep we come back together. We work. We just did. I mean, one of the highlights oh, of my recent life was you and I wrote uh, Hans and Franz musical together with uh, Dana Carvey and Kevin Nealon. And then it just got lost to time because it was never made. Yes. And of course, foolishly, we wrote it so that Schwarzenegger, rather than being a cameo, yes. is in nine tenths of the movie. It was the but, best. Uh, it was nice to see that come around. And um, you've been doing all this amazing work in comedy for all these years. But I, I have to celebrate that, Leo, <laughs> you wrote this uh, movie, Leo, and it's an Adam Sandler animated film. And I saw it the other night and I, my, I was completely blown away. It is obviously funny, which I knew it would be, but it's also so sweet and so nuanced and, That's great. and has a great message. And I thought, well, this is a classic. And then uh, I think <laughs> I, yesterday I was told that it's the uh, biggest uh, animated hit already that Netflix has ever had. Like it's yeah. a complete smash. <laughs> and I was practically crying. I'm so happy for you and for Adam. I wrote both of yeah, you guys. Yeah. Um, Adam's lawyer got it. Uh, <laughs> Sandy Werner got it. I know. <laughs> I think we got a red line this thing. Let me give it a look to the lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was really funny because I called him. He ended up calling me after Sandy I wrote Wernick? him. No, no, not Sandy oh. Wernick, but Adam after oh. I told him, I texted him. Oh, I yeah, said, yeah. Robert, I'm so happy for Robert. I'm so happy for you. It's so well done. And then he calls me up and he was like asking me about how my kids are doing and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And then he was doing this whole riff because my son is very gifted at computers and right. he really loves computer engineering. So he's looking at a lot of engineering schools and a lot of like super scientific schools. And, and, and Adam was like saying, Coney, I'll write him a letter. Uh, those people love me. And I went as a joke and I was like, right. it's okay, Adam. He's like, it's already done. I took care of it, buddy. I'm going to send it to every engineering school. And I'm saying, no, Adam, no, <laughs> no, Adam. He's like, these are my people. He was, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Don't worry, Coney. He's going to be great. Oh, he's the best. Yeah, he's the best. God but, damn. Uh, I was, you know, it's so funny because he does. The voice he does in this for Leo is so unique. It's kind of Bernie. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, yes, it's Bernie Brillstein, yes. the famous manager yeah. that we all knew and worked with. What I do know is people don't understand that as in, in animation, the voice is everything. It re, like the voice is, mm. the voice is more important than the actual animation because it's the soul of who the person is, it's I think, true. in a lot of ways. And that voice that he does yeah, is yeah. so unique and it really works yeah, beautifully. Yeah, like cranky and warm at the same time. Yeah. It's funny because like when I had written it and uh, we were about to do a table read and I had told him a couple of days early, I kind of seeing like a Peter Falk kind of thing. And then like right before the read through he says eh, buddy i think i i, I want to do bernie I, 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 I was like oh okay go go for it and then he killed it with the bernie and it was just a great instinct it's very funny because bernie i taught him years ago you never fucking know when we fucking when we cast alf remember remember during look well so bernie was an executive producer of look well because conan was with brillstein Gray. and let me back up because i just sometimes yes. we go fast yeah, yeah yeah and i want to bring people yes, up to speed yes, yes. 
But uh, Robert came to me once when we were at SNL and he said, because we both loved the 60s series oh, Batman. Adam West. And he said to God. me, you know, I'm, I have this idea. We've got to do something with Adam West. And we started talking about it. And he was saying like, I'm, you know, he's an out, maybe he's an out of work actor, but he solves crimes. Still and thinks he can solve solves, crimes. But he's, because he made these shows, he thinks he can solve crimes. So yes. he and you and I sat down and pretty quickly wrote this script. Yes. And we call the guy Ty Lookwell. And then yeah, that we, was your name. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, and then we go on this quest to get Adam West to do it. And he does it. We make it and there's a lot of, that's a whole saga in and of itself because yes, no one wanted us to make it, the network. But then finally- well, Tartikoff got it. But Brandon Tartikoff but said, I left. get it. But then he left immediately. And, and <laughs> oh, no. So anyway. In Lauren's getaway car. Anyway. <laughs> and so we make this pilot and we deliver it to the network and you and I were so excited because this is, we're on SNL. This is a bunch of years before late night. We really think this is our ticket to the top. We love it. Yeah. We think it's really ahead of its time. It's so cool. And Bernie, because you can do the voice, but I'll never yeah. forget this. So we're over at Bernie Brillstein's company. And he's this big guy, looks like a, he's a Jewish Santa Claus. Yes. And he's- Santa Claus, cowardly lion. Like Yeah, Santa fusion. Claus, cowardly lion. Yeah. He wears all black because he thinks it's slimming. Slimming. It's, it's fucking slimming. slimming. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're in his office and he's telling us- this thing is going to go through the roof. Adam is going to test through Adam, the fucking roof. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be, and he's in the midst of this long rant about how he knows show business, he knows TV, and this thing's going to go all the way. And you guys have to start figuring out now which mansions you want to live in in Beverly Hills. He's going on and on and on when his assistant says, a phone call from the network, Bernie goes, yeah. put it through. Rick so Ludwin, they, yeah. Rick, so they put it through, and all we can hear is, is Bernie's Bernie side. side of it. So Robert and I are just flying high, and he gets on the phone, and the first thing he goes, what? What the fuck? Yes. And, then, and then he starts sabotaging. <laughs> This is the best. Because he also managed Lorne Michaels. Yeah. And Lorne Michaels had two projects, Look Well, because he was, you know, and he also had a Jack Handy pilot uh, based on Toonsis the Cat. It was a a collection of Jack Handy sketches and Toonsis was the glue to it. And so Rick Ludwin is telling Bernie that, um, yeah, yeah, Look Well uh, didn't test uh, terrific uh, with our uh, crew. And that's fucking insane. (laughs) Adam, this is a fucking genius fucking script. And then, uh, what do you fucking say? Tuntus? Yeah, yeah, we're thinking of, uh, Tuntus might make it. Tuntus might make uh, the September schedule. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that thing is gonna fucking tank. You're gonna put that thing on. And that's his client it's too. It's also his client. That's also his client. But Bernie didn't have, but Brillstein Gray wasn't producing to Well, it doesn't that, matter. No, it, it it's mattered Lawrence's, to Bernie. Lawrence's big meal ticket. And he's like, boy, I long can't find his ass with three hands. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, and, but anyway, the point is you and I are sitting there, yes. these kids. Yes. And all we hear is, what? And then he, and then he, and, and the first thing he said was, "It's the first thing you screened after lunch. People are digesting." I'll never forget sitting there listening to that. Fucking Sue Mangus told me this forty-five years ago. You fucking idiots have no fucking clue. So we, uh, I saw you today for the first time in person since Leo came out and I felt emotional because I'm so happy for you. You're my friend, but also I was saying you and I have collaborated on so much stuff and there's, there's a lot of noise out there and I'm very proud of the stuff we've worked on together, but I saw this thing and I thought, oh, this is going to be a movie that 
kids are watching and with their parents, because it's really funny, they're going to be watching it like 50 years from now. You know, no, I don't know how they'll be, know. they'll be putting drops in their eyes and watching yeah, it. Yeah, but, maybe. but no, I, I just, it, it's, nice. it's really, uh, I think it's lasting. I think it's a classic. That's and amazing. I That's was amazing. just delighted, just really delighted for you. Cause Jesus, you know, you deserve it. Um, oh, thank and, you. Uh, it's like, it, it feels like the first thing I've ever done that everyone agreed on at the same time. Like, you know, our show, was right. amazing and we loved it more than anything and there was an audience that got it there's always and and i've had you know and then a little segments that i've done like the cartoons on snl but any independent project that i've done even the ones that were successful like the zohan or right hotel transylvania it wasn't a critical success this is like everything it's everything's never, coming together yeah it's never happened to me in my whole career so it's like it's just weird, <laughs> but I love it. And I'm very excited and, um, yeah, I'm very happy. And I, it was, I really, and it's four stuck years. My, I, you, I know. It's been four, you've been working I this wrote for this four years. That, you've been telling me about yes. it and I've been saying enough with the talking. Where I is know, it? I know I, it, it was maddening. And I would like go on zoom meetings, like, you know, because like first you animate it to like black and white drawings, animatics, yeah. animatics and, you, we tested it and it did great. And it's like, great, now make it do the whole thing over. And that was like the creative process working right. with board artists. Now you're converting the whole thing to 3D. And it's almost like, okay, we just want it to be as good as the animatic now. Like we've made most of the creative decisions mm -hmm. and it's just so technical. And like, sometimes there'd be Zoom meetings where my other two directors, like my notes were usually about acting and they'd be like, Leo's tail, it has a little bump, it's off model and shit like that. And I would literally, just to be sane, I would like mute myself on the Zoom and start making animal noises. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what do you think, Cal? <laughs> and I would send it to friends with like, they would hear the meeting in the background. The cow doesn't like the idea, I'm sorry. You know, we, we uh... The other thing I should point out is you write the the music in this. There's a lot of there's a lot <laughs> yes. of there's a lot of really great songs in it. Oh, that's nice. And um, but it's it was fun for me because you and I one thing we always had in common was we always wanted <laughs> sketches to turn into songs. I know. And just and I know. so we we thought sketches should have a theme song. So yes. when we were working on Mr. Short Term Memory, that we, was like the first we wanted it to have a song. Yeah, it was like and Lauren Mr. was Short like, "Can't it just be?" Because Don Pardo for years would just be, "And now another episode of." Short term memory man. Yeah. And, and we were literally said, can't it just be an hour and a rep? And we we were like, no, it has to be and and Odin Kirk and 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 uh Greg Daniels were working on this too. But what we wanted, we were like, no, no, it has to be a song. Mr. Yes. Short Term Memory, yes. he shouldn't have sat under that pear tree. Yes. And it's Tom Hanks sitting under a pear lyric. tree and a pear drops and hits him on the head. Now he has no memory. He'll frustrate you so, but he'll, he'll never, never know because he's, he's Mr. Mr. Short Term. <laughs> It was Memory. one of those things. It was like the first one. Yeah, I, I love the elegance of that first line. And but then that became like a, a plague on the show. Like yeah. everybody started putting jingles at the top of every yes. every yeah. character. Everything sketch. had to have a, a jingle. Everything had a jingle. But yes, um, actually, I, I would have to. The, the biggest thrill of this movie on some level is just the balls to write songs and music like I was so scared to do it on one hand, but then I like, I knew a composer, this brilliant composer, David Yazbek. I, I can't even play a musical instrument. I just mm -hmm. sang these 
into GarageBand, and like, and then I sent them to him, and I was like, "Do these suck?" And he was like, "No, they don't suck." And I was like, "Oh god." The song at the end okay. with all the children saying how old they are. Oh, and when then, I was ten. And then yeah, it that's blends beautiful. Blends into yeah. the next age. Thank you. It was amazing. Yeah, that's that's my favorite, and um, yeah, I love it because it's funny. It starts out really funny because the, the the premise is like probably an old Peanuts premise, like a kid thinking, "Oh, back when I was seven, things were." You have no idea how what you what you're looking. Right. right. But um, but I just love like the the lyrics get are very silly at first. Like you know, we all gave left milk for Santa Claus. My mom was not in menopause and that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's all very like heartfelt, and they're in a spotlight. And then it turns at one point. You know, one girl's reminiscing about her grandfather and my gerbils are still alive. It's still kind of funny. And then another kid says, I didn't care that people died, which is something that's based on something I experienced with my son, Rowie, who's also in the movie. He plays the uh, whatever kid, the the allergy kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The drone kid. But and he, uh, but anyway. <laughs> that's a great. That, I love the drone. <laughs> oh, the drone's amazing. When he eats, yeah, when yeah, he yeah. goes full Bridget Jones and starts eating the chocolate ice cream <laughs> Ah, I love that. Thank you. But so, Rowie, the, so there, when my dad passed away, my kids used to like laugh at the idea of death. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a similar, but my I kids still do. Well, you know, you, you never sort of over get that. over the shock and yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, realize how funny it is uh, <laughs> after your own parents die. Uh-huh. No, so, no. So, Rowie, they would, they would like death, man. That, what is that all about? And they'd giggle about how weird it is when they were like four. And then, like, my dad passed away when they were eight. And he had a long illness and a beautiful long life. So the part of me was relieved. But the thing that really made me cry was like hearing Broey experience it and mm-hmm. cry. He was crying really hard. I was with my mom. And so I spoke to him on the phone. And I realized that not only is he crying because he adored his grandfather, but because he's taking in this right. reality. So that part gets me every time. You know, that's when I, that's when I get emotional when I hear that song. Well, but, it's a... Uh, Absolutely beautiful movie. It's nice when it all comes together. I, I Jesus, I'm know. looking at this. Leo yeah. has had this wow. crazy <laughs> 34.6 million views in its first six days. I, I don't know what that means, but it, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest debut ever for a Netflix yeah, animated yeah. film. That's so nice. uh, that's, I mean, that's as long cool. as you have a big piece of the merch, you're okay. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I do. <laughs> Lauren! Somewhere in Maine. <laughs> Somewhere in Maine. A blueberry farm just got a little yeah, bigger. It's a blueberry farm, right? Yeah, Is that a what massive it? blueberry farm. You know the... <laughs> And also, this is like we have to do it because we all do Lorne voices and make Lorne jokes. But you and I would be completely unknown to anyone, uh, to oh everybody, if it weren't for Lorne Michaels. So oh, without a doubt, we love we love him to death. We love him to death. But, but we love doing his voice. We love doing his voice. The blueberries, and that he has a giant blueberry farm in <laughs> Maine. So it's like and, uh, you know the, <laughs> the the blueberries. Um, we don't sell the blueberries because they're ripe. We sell them because it's 11.30 on Saturday night. <laughs> well, Robert, I should probably wrap this up, but I, yes, I, there's yes. got to be a part two yes. Yes, at some please. point. Because, uh, But thank you for doing this. Thank I you. love you. You thank changed you. my life. You're the best. You keep changing it, ruining it, but also making it better. Making then changing it back. Yep. Fixing, smashing, and then Enjoy. Making- I want you to be happy. For, you you should be I, I can't believe you could even say that you're still nervous you are I'm not nervous I, but, but it's I'm, like I'm so 
happy for you because I think it's, uh, can I take two seconds to just remember? Okay. So I remember like that summer mm -hmm. Conan would do these uh, practice shows, 1993, I'm talking mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And like Dino, like a couple of writers would be out there and there's no audience and Conan would just be so fucking funny, just relaxed on stage. And there was a part of me that was like, why do we have to have an audience? Why do we even have to have an audience? It's just gonna get in the way. And you know, he figured it out and obviously had an amazing career on late night television. But this show is everything that you are. It's so amazing. We get to see how smart you are and thoughtful and spontaneously funny and I'm over the moon for you. Oh, you thanks. have this and how yeah. popular it is. I know you're happy. I, know, I am, no, I, no, I, I am. I, 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 I'm very blessed. Anyway, uh, you love you. Everyone love you. has already seen Leo twice by these metrics, <laughs> but go, everyone, go see it nine times. And congratulations. Thank you, Mazel. Thank you, Mazel. Mazel. I'm filled with Mazel. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 669-587-2847 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Mm -hmm.